On October 21, 2021, at the Bonanza Creek Ranch in Bonanza City, New Mexico, cinematographer Helena Hutchins was fatally shot and director Joel Souza was injured on the set of the film Rust when a live round was discharged from a revolver used as a prop by actor Alec Baldwin. The incident was investigated by the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office, the New Mexico First Judicial District Attorney, the New Mexico Occupational Health and Safety Bureau, and the FBI, resulting in charges against Baldwin and armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed in January of 2023. Each has been charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. First Assistant Director David Halls pled guilty to the charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon last year. This case has been marred from the beginning with allegations of chaos and unprofessional behavior on set. And now, as Hannah Gutierrez-Reed's trial entered its fifth day today, and while all the legal experts are weighing in on the legal side of this, I'm here to offer you my unique perspective from my 10-plus year career working as a professional cinematographer and award-winning filmmaker and offer you my theory on how the hell a live round actually got on this set. I'm Collier Landry. Hollywood's on trial. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. In when I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. I decided at an early age that our trauma should not be what defines us. It's what we choose to do with it that does. I'm here to share my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to my show. Mover Nation, welcome wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thanks for making me a part of your day. Today is my birthday, so welcome to my birthday episode of my show, The Collier Landry Show. I'm here to give you my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, and society and popular culture albeit with a slight sense of humor. However, today's case that I want to talk about is something that is something I know a lot about, which is I have worked as a cinematographer for the last decade in Hollywood. And when this all went down in October of 2021, all my friends were flooding me. Everybody was talking about it in the industry because we had just, you know, we had just gone through COVID and we were still in the midst of COVID. And then to have all of this occur what happened on set with helena hutchins what happened with alec baldwin and now this young woman is on trial hannah gutierrez reed it affected a lot of people because safety on set is always of the highest priority and um i haven't waited in those yet and i've wanted to everybody is streaming live streaming the trials i'm going to show some testimony um i'm sorry some of the um some of the witness footage of Hannah Gutierrez when she was interrogated by interrogated, I use that term very loosely when she was interviewed by police officers uh, after the incident. And then a little bit later, uh, which was played in court. And, um, you know, my opinion from the very beginning of this, I heard about the chaos on set. I have worked a lot on low budget shows myself. And um, I know what it's like when you are trying to get your days done when you are trying to, you know, work a job, trying to make things happen, and there's a lot of pressure, and you're trying to make your days, as they say, it's a lot. And I'm going to offer you guys this unique perspective. I think it'll help. You know, look, this. Let me be very clear. A young woman lost her life. She's a mother and a wife, and it did not have to happen. Like straight up, this did not have to happen. And something that all of us that have been on sets like this, look, I have shot a Western 
with firearms, firearms being fired right next to me with dummy rounds, with powder, uh, black powder rounds that are very, very loud and very, very scary. And I'm going to share some stories about that. You have to make sure that I was just going through my, to see my call sheets, to see who our armorer was on that particular. We sh I shot a Western at Paramount ranch in summer of 2018. So that's a while ago, uh, with Steven Campanelli, who is first unit director for, uh, Clint Eastwood has done every movie with Clint for like 30 years. He's also a steady cam operator. He's one of the best in the business. He's won multiple awards. Shot a star is born. I mean, he's shot everything. He's shot everything in all of Clint's movies. Uh, he's amazing. And we shot a Western together and we had authentic period firearms on set. And safety was a major priority for all of us. Um, so I'm going to get into all that subtle nuance. But I do want to say uh, welcome to my channel members. Welcome to my Patreon subscribers. And my supporters, thank you all for joining me on my birthday episode. I greatly appreciate it. And if you guys notice in the comments now, there's all these new little badges for all of you. I, I stayed up really late the other night uh, putting together these badges for all the different levels. So uh, we have some new emojis too uh, that are coming out. So I'm excited. I wanted to offer those for the channel for you guys to use. Uh, so, okay. So for those of you that are not aware of this trial, and what has been going on, I'm going to give you a little bit of an update, um, a little bit of a background. So a couple of things. So this was a an independent film that was being shot and produced and starring Alec Baldwin and Jensen Ackles, who, if you are a Supernatural fan, uh, is a star of Supernatural. Um, and uh, I know a lot of people are Supernatural fans. So um, Jensen Ackles was, was a part of this set. And um, this was a very ambitious shoot. I believe their shoot schedule was 23 days or 21 days. It was under 30 days. The budget was around six to seven million dollars. And I know that sounds like a lot of money. That is not a lot of money in production. Now, that is that is a good size for an independent feature. And obviously, somebody of Alec Baldwin's stature is able to get better financing than a lower budget picture. However, at the time that all this was done, we were just coming through COVID, right? Uh, people were just getting back on set and to be able to go to the desert into this ghost town in New Mexico and to be able to, um, to be able to be back on set because being on set is something that is really, really fun. And, you know, it's something that I miss. I started this podcast and I've been focusing on this. I still do work. I'm doing a documentary at the moment and, uh, but it is, it is an experience unlike any other i mean i really can tell you um and i spent a very long time well uh, over a decade working as a dp in hollywood i was also in the union for a while iatsi local 600 which this was an iatsi set i wasn't sure and at the time i thought because there was rumors of camera crew being replaced with non-union crew members there were other people on there that were trying to make their days because a lot of times and i'm going to play some testimony some of the the stuff that hannah gutierrez reed talks about in her interview with detectives um and look this this whole thing is just completely unfortunate and but at the same time safety on set is always everyone's priority and responsibility and um you know Alec Baldwin is going is being charged has been charged as well his trial is going to start jury selection in July I'll be covering that uh, that when the time comes but um you know as I dive, there's so many nuances to this case, right? And we've heard from, you know, FBI ballistics experts, 
you know, we've heard from people who were on set. We heard the other day from the Dolly Grip who explained what happened. He was there when when Helena lost her life when the firearm went out. Uh, it's it is a lot. Um, and one of the core sort of things that was raised from the very, very beginning was IATSE, which is the International Association of Stage and Te of of television and stage employees. Okay. So IATSE, there's different locals all across the country. So if you guys are familiar with unions, they all have locals. There's, you know, United Auto Workers, Teamsters, all that. Um, you know, I'm local 600 or I was local 600, which is the International Cinematographers Guild here in Los Angeles or on the West Coast. Um, there's local 80, which is the Grips Union. There's local 44, which is the props and uh, et cetera, et cetera. There are different locals for all of them, but they all fall under the umbrella of IATSE, right? Then you have Screen Actors Guild or SAG-AFTRA. So SAG-AFTRA is a guild and SAG-AFTRA covers uh, all the actors and all the talent that are on set. Or if it is a union project, they're all union actors. And obviously Alec Baldwin, Jensen Ackles, those are union actors, right? Um, so there's two different things. And this has caused a lot of confusion with people because when they're talking about this in court, you might be wondering, like, what are they talking about, right? So Screen Actors Guild is a guild. IATSE is a union and it protects all of the employees that are on set. Now, there are two types of things that are that I want to talk about just to sort of tee up all this. So there are, you get a call sheet or when you have a list of all the people that are working on set, you have what is called above the, above the line and below the line. Above the line is your director, your actors, your producers. Those are all the people that fall above the financiers, executive producers. Uh, those are all the people that fall on the above the line. Below the line is everyone else. That includes camera department, sound department, makeup, property, um, uh, armorers, um, you know, uh, set design, set pr production design, art department in general, all of those. And at the top of that, who is the big boss of everyone on set on the below the line is the director of photography. And in this case, that was Helena Hutchins. So anything that happened during the production, and I, you know, I used to say all the time because, uh, you know, as a cine, so a director of photography is also a cinematographer. And I used to say all the time when I would describe what I would do is there's a lot of art to being a cinematographer and, you know, you're, you're crafting the lighting, you are crafting, uh, the camera angles and you're, you are there to bring the director's vision to life right in front of the camera. However, one of your jobs that you, that you don't necessarily sign up for, but is what you have to do is you end up being like an on-set psychologist because everyone, and I mean everyone, comes to you with their problems <laughs> because you're the boss. You're the person that makes the decisions for everyone that is, in, that is below you on the below the line sheet. So when you are uh, working, and Helena Hutchins was obviously aware of this, of the conditions that some of the some of the employees and department members were complaining about, which was there was talk about, you know, doing long days, right? So if you're not paid overtime and you're working extra hours, you know, there there's always a finagling. There was talks of craft service not being as good. And craft service is always something, it's the snacks that you have between your catering breaks on set. You say so you arrive and you usually have a breakfast that's available. It's usually light 
depends on the production, how much money they have. If it's a big production, it's, it's amazing. Uh, then you have lunch and then you would have dinner if you, if you work over that 12 hour period. Right. Um, so one of the things is that you, uh, you have craft service, which is a table. Usually it's run by somebody who's not in the catering department. That's an in separate individual that has like cookies and candy bars and apples and bananas and red vines, which we love on set too, which are those really terrible licorices. Um, so all of that is like the fuel that kind of keeps you going. There's coffee there, there's waters, there's diet Cokes, whatever have you. So there was a lot of complaining with the crew about craft service in the beginning uh, and, and when they were on set. And I'll tell you that that is a major, a major gripe that, that you don't want to deal with because you want happy people. If you, even if you're, you know, the pay scale on this particular production was low because look, nothing was happening in the industry, but crickets from March, you know, I think I was on set last in during the pandemic on March the 25th or 26th. I was actually shooting right down the street from here in Santa Monica. And, um, I remember when they did the, you know, better, safer at home, locked mandatory lockdowns and booked it and nothing was happening. And we didn't have anything. I didn't start shooting on another film project because we were doing it in my stu studio with, uh, all the COVID, uh, COVID protocols in place and all of that. Um, we didn't probably shoot for like another six months. I mean, I was shooting my own stuff, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, so people were out of work and people didn't save their money or people were, you know, everybody, everybody was struggling in this country. Everybody was struggling around the world. Right. And people were really jonesing to be a part of production. So it's not surprising to me that when this production comes up and it's Alec Baldwin, and this was a passion project apparently for Alec Baldwin, because, uh, you know, you're a wealthy, very famous actor. And what do you do when you have downtime? You do those passion projects that you love. A lot of times in my industry, things will shut down for the holidays. We usually shut down about a week before Thanksgiving and you don't come back until after the new year. And that means no big productions are happening uh, in the industry, in the entertainment industry. And you don't have... Um, so at that time, usually you're doing passion projects or things that you wanted to work on with friends. And you're like, hey, look, we have no money we're going to go make this. Do you want to come and just, you know, keep your path, you know, keep yourself in the game, you know, still sharpen your tools, be able to get your camera work. And, you know, this, this happens a lot. So the fact that people were willing to take pay cuts to work on this does not surprise me. The fact that they were willing to go to New Mexico and work on this, uh, it doesn't surprise me because nothing was going on and it's cool to work on location. It's fun. Um, I want to take a moment to say hello to everybody. Uh, welcome, Tina Luffman. Welcome, Sarah Holman. Trevor William, thank you for joining us. I don't know if anybody, uh, if anybody um, uh, had any questions. Uh, and I hope I'm being really clear. And I know this is uh, sort of, sort of uh, off topic for me, but on topic. And we're going to get into. Look, you know, I, I feel like things are this are like this are very important because I have I have I've probably I mean, I've been doing this show for about a year now, the podcast for a year and a half two now two years. Uh, but the rest of my time in Los Angeles from 2010 to 2022 or 2022, uh, it well, I was working as a cinematographer and I still work, but not as aggressively because COVID just decimated our industry. So I became a content creator that you see here. So that's my backstory. Uh, you guys can watch my reel 
it is online. <laughs> you can check out what I do. Uh, but um, I want to, uh, and maybe I should play that. Maybe I should show a little bit of the uh, of my uh, cinematographer's reel. But I do have my little slide that I want to put up here. Let's see if it works. There's always a lot of moving parts with this show, by the way, guys. And uh, if it is not, um, if it is not up to snuff, I apologize. But uh, there we go. Totally rusted. So who's to blame? And and I'm going to get into some of this, but I wanted to put the graphic up. Um, the biggest the biggest thing on all of this, and the biggest question that everyone has is how did a live round get on the set in the first place? That's been the mystery that everyone's trying to figure out. And Hannah Gutierrez Reed, as the armorer, was responsible for all of the firearms that were given to the actors on set. So what is an armorer, you may say? So this is the actual definition. So, so according to the IATSE Local 52 job description, an armorer is responsible for transport, storage, and safe use of all weaponry and firearms on film sets. It is illegal to use NFA and sometimes Title I firearms unless a licensed armorer is present. These are highly skilled individuals with a great deal of responsibility for the cast and crew. And Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, her father is a very famous armorer in the industry, so he lots of experience, and she comes from that. But um, again, and, and there are different trainings that people are, who are in the unions are able to get. Now, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, talks about in her interviews with police uh, how she, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, she wasn't union. She had 22 union credited days on her, on her resume. And she was working on rust for the whole run of the show, as we call it. And uh, she was getting her additional eight days because you need to have 30 days to get into any of the unions, but you also need to be in the union to work on a union set. It's a whole cart and cart before the horse, chicken before the egg type situation. It's super annoying. It works that way for actors too. And it's just, you got to figure it out, right? Um, sometimes you're on a set that flips. So it's a non-union set. And then the union comes and presents a union contact contract to producers and says, your crew wants to flip to the union. And then you get into the union that way. There's lots of ways to do it. Then you get to give the union your money, <laughs> but, um, and, but you get to be a union member and in the brotherhood of uh, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of, uh, the IA, as we refer to it, the international association. Um, so she was working up on her days, but she was also handling props on the set as well, which when you're in a low budget situation, again, I know I said six to $7 million. That is a very low budget film. Most of the films that you guys see that are, that are larger budgets that you see in the movie theaters are, you know, a hundred million plus right now, you know, uh, spider, the new Spider-Man or the, uh, um, the new, the new Spider-Man spinoff, which I do not remember what it's called right off the top of my head that just came out last week and was considered a flop. That was also considered a low budget project by Sony pictures. That was a $125 million budget. So, uh, yeah, I think it's called like Andrea's web or something. Uh, you guys can tell me in the comments below. Um, so a six, $7 million budget gets stretched very thin, especially when you're dealing with union, especially when you're dealing with things like firearms and you're flying talent in and you're putting people up that are non-local, right? So, uh, it is a very costly situation and you have what is called the first AD. Now the first AD is 
the person who, as a cinematographer and as the director of photography, is my best friend and my worst enemy at the same time. Because every time that I am lining up a shot and I'm talking to my, my crew, my camera guys, my gaffer, who's a lighting person, and we're discussing things, the AD comes and taps me on my shoulder and says, so um, how much more time do you need? Okay, I'll say 10 minutes. And guess what? They'll come back in nine minutes and 59 seconds and say, how much more time do you need? And AD rides the ass of the director of photography. It's just how, and, and their job is to make sure that you make your days in under 12 hours so you keep your costs down, which keeps producers happy. You keep the crew not working these really long hours and not getting enough sleep, keeps them happy as well. Um, and everybody wins, but it is very annoying because when you need time and things are always, you know, one of the things that things like this don't go wrong. Someone doesn't die. Someone doesn't get, uh, you know, shot, but things happen all the time on set because you are working at a very breakneck pace. And when you are on a low budget shoot, you have people working and crossing over departments and that's what uh, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed found herself in because she was working props and she was also working um, as the armorer, which to me is a little, I mean, it makes sense uh, that they would try to double her up because she's trying to make her union days and they know that she wants to get into the union. They know that she uh, that she's obviously a hustler because her father was a hustler and has a name in the industry. So uh, there was a lot of that going on. And uh, they, you know, production will try to get away with anything they can and get you to do multiple jobs. Like I said, that nobody ever paid me to be a psychologist on set when people would come to me with their gripes. However, um, so there's a lot of people that wear a lot of hats. And, and I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, everyone is happy to do it because when you're on set and when you're working with other creatives making art, it is the best thing in the world. It is the best, the best job in the world. I'm an artist. I've been an artist my entire life. It is the best job in the world to work with others and collectively make art. And as long as you, as you have a good camaraderie and you're treated well, it is amazing <laughs> when it happens and when it all comes together and you see it, you know, six months, a year down the road and you're like, I made that. Like, I remember I was there or you see yourself playing the role of an extra. I was an extra in so many film and television projects working as a DP because they're like, Hey, you're good looking stand there right? We don't need you. You're the camera guy. I can shoot it. You know? So you have these, um, you know, you find yourself in these really unique situations that you wouldn't be in working in the entertainment industry is a lot of fun and working in the film business, but it can be exhausting and you can be asked to wear a lot of hats, but uh, for the 99.9% .9 of the time, people are happy to do it as long as they're being treated well, as long as they have good food, good coffee, and they're treated respectfully Everybody's usually like, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's rock and roll. Uh, there is something that is called grace on set, which an AD will call. So I'll give you a perfect example. So you do meal breaks at six hours, right? So you start your day and you, you come in and it's six hours and then you go to lunch, right? So if you're shooting a scene and let's say you are, are shooting an actor and the the actor has just really gotten into it and you know that what's happening is like, Oh man, like, okay, he, the performance is really coming, but it's almost lunchtime. The AD will go around to everybody, the first assistant director, and he will say, 
we're going to call Grace. Are you guys okay? And he'll come to me usually as the director of photography, as a cinematographer, because again, I'm in charge of everybody else. <laughs> everybody else is below me. And he says, we're going to call Grace. What do you guys think about that? And I'll usually, I usually will have already negotiated that with my crew and with the other departments that are underneath me, because we already know that we're like, okay, we got to get this shot in because we have to reset after lunch, which is turn the set around or go to a new location or reload the camera and do other things or, or prepare for a dolly move or what have you. Right. So there's a lot of the, a lot of this, uh, you know, goes into like just being good and cooperative. So they'll call grace they'll, and it's an extra 10 minutes to get the shot done because you don't want to have to come back from lunch, get the actors back, get the whole crew back because it just wastes time. Right. And time is money when you're on set. So obviously everyone was under a lot of duress in this situation. On the flip side, everybody's happy to be working because nobody had been working forever, right? So there are issues. But um, there are some issues that have come in in this particular case. And like I said, when I first when I first saw it, I was I was thinking to myself, okay, well, so how does a live round, because I've worked with live ammunition on set, how does a live round make its way into dummy rounds on set? And that is the crux of this case uh, in general, because look, this accident should never have happened, you know? Um, and it, it was, it was negligence. I mean, it was somebody didn't do their job along the way. The biggest piece of evidence that has been entered in, in the last day or so is the fact that during her interviews, um, uh, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, uh, talks about how she brought a box of dummy rounds from another set. Now, this was two boxes of rounds, and they were uh, they were leftovers from another production that she was working on, or probably her father worked on. Um, and look, that is common, uh, not with firearms, but that is common with using production goods. Like I would often. You know, back in the day before we had fancy, fancy LEDs, we would have to use lighting gels and we would put gels over the light. I wish I had one here. I have one over there. Um, we'd use lighting gels and we would put them on lights and I would bring gels from other productions. I would bring um, other equipment that I would use and I would rent that out to the production. Often camera packages happen that way. I, you know, I own several high-end camera packages that I would rent out to the productions that I was shooting on. Uh, grip gear, electric gear, all those things. And that's a common thing. And so she wanted to be able to use something that was left over to make some money that she could charge back to production, which in and of itself is not a, is not, um, is not bad to want to recoup your money and make a little extra money in your pocket, especially when you're taking a pay cut. However, it's not good because now all of these, all of these bullets, uh, that were on set, were from a company called, uh, I believe it's PQD. I'm not 100% sure. Anyways, they were from a company that was licensed to provide the uh, dummy bullets to the set. So then what had happened is Hannah Gutierrez-Reed had brought bullets from her car and those had gotten mixed into the dummy rounds on set. And that is where they believe that this rogue round, this rogue dummy round that she claims didn't jingle because these dummy, if, they, if it's a live round, you'll hear 
you'll hear the you'll hear jingling and you'll know it's a live round, right? So uh, when you check that, so if you don't hear that, then there's no gunpowder in it, right? And it's not a live round. Um, so one of the things is with uh, with with her bringing that that other ammunition on set, that shows her negligence, right? There was no reason for her to bring it on set. They had enough ammunition on set. She just wanted to get rid of it and burn through it and make some extra money. Um, and she admits all of this in her in her interview with police. And she talks about the chain of custody, which is also a very big deal. The chain of custody with props and or what we call property on set, because uh, a lot of times, you know, one of the biggest things, and I can remember it was 2011. I was on my first set. I was working as a best boy, uh, best boy electric on a show with Martin Lawrence. And um, it was a very low budget production. And we were shooting 60 pages a day. It was called Love That Girl. And it was starring Martin Lawrence and Tatiana Ali, if you guys know her from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I remember working on set. And it was a non-union production, but I was I was in the electrical department, which does all the lighting and, and electricity on set. We are set electricians, but you wouldn't want us wiring a house, that's for sure. And one of the things is I went over, we needed a, a flag, a grip flag. And um, I really feel like I should have this equipment here with me, to be honest with you. We need a flag to flag off one of the one of the lights. And I went over to the grip cart and grabbed a flag because there was no grip in sight because we needed it and because we're, we're trying to make our day. And the grip was, you know, they were off doing whatever or they were setting another another set up. And I remember they came and tapped me on the, folder, the shoulder and he goes, did you take my flag? And I was like, yeah, 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 man, I took your flag. He goes, come here, come here, young man. And puts his arm around me and he's looking at it. He goes, he's like, do you see my cart? You see my cart? You don't touch anything on here unless you ask me to. So sets, especially union sets, can get very territorial. But the reason why is because everybody's responsible for, for all this equipment, right? You rent this equipment. You're renting props. You're renting these firearms from companies that provide them that they need to be returned after the production is done. So... Uh, when things cross pollinate and people from other departments are touching things, that's when things get a little out of hand. And one of the things that uh, Hannah Gutierrez Reed talks about in her interview with police is her on set cart. And it's one of those Cambro carts that is a, um, uh, it, you know, like, a, like you see in restaurants that she had and, you know, we would have a camera cart, right. And constantly, and she talks about this in her interview and she's right. People put, shit on the cart they just do they absolutely do i uh, you know we on the camera cart with the cameras you know you'd have your camera you'd have these lenses that are you know 20 30 a piece the cameras half a you know you know 50 60 70 grand right you get about a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of gear and somebody sets their coffee on it <laughs> and i've been guilty of doing that before sets their coffee on it it annoys everyone and uh, because it can spill, it can get all over the computers, it can get all over the, the lenses, everything. So people will often just put stuff on carts. They will often grab something that they're not supposed to grab because especially in this type of environment where you're trying to work fast, you're understaffed, you're just kind of coming back from COVID. There's a lot of this cross-pollination. So I understand when she's talking about other people touching her stuff, it happens everywhere. And prop department, they don't like people touching their stuff. Like, don't touch the props. It doesn't matter. And even though I was director of photography and I was in charge of everyone else in the below the line crew, 
I would never touch the props. I wouldn't touch anybody's stuff. You know what I mean? I'd always have to ask for permission, even when I was the boss. And um, that's just the, the, the hierarchy on set, but also you give respect to your coworkers, right? And because everybody's responsible for all this. I wouldn't want somebody coming and taking my lenses, right? Because if they take the lenses and they're touching the lenses, then, uh, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. They could, they could adjust the lens. It throws it out of focus. Then we've got to reset the camera. And then we're, the, the production is down for another hour while we reset the camera and do everything. So everything is all about speed, timing, and being highly effective at your job. And this is what sort of the crux of the prosecution is, is that Hannah Gutierrez was, had accepted this job of armorer she was getting her union days and she had accepted this other job of also working in the prop department and she was negligent in performing her duty on set. And with this new revelation that she had brought lives to set, because when all this broke the news, there were stories about people, uh, there were stories of, of people firing bullets on set and you know how the internet gets you know how hyperbolic people can be oh they were firing everybody's firing guns of course it was just in the you know it's a little it was a little hyperbolic but obviously there was one live round on set that we know of and um you know this is where a lot of the issues and how that that be, they began right and also you know something that nobody's really talking about is this is a production that is shooting out in the desert it has a bunch of, of, of cast and crew and everybody's having a good time and nobody's been working for a year and a half and people want to cut loose. And I know, you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine who's also a cinematographer yesterday on the phone. We were discussing this and, and he was talking about some of the rumors that he had heard as well, which was, you know, there was substance use issues on set and people using it. And that occurs on set. It just does people, you know, and, and he was talking to me about something and I said, yeah, but remember when you would go use your vape pen <laughs> offset and sneak out, he goes, oh yeah, good point. So there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, you, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't there. I'm just speculating, but having worked in this industry for so long, people are probably going home and partying at night, going back to the hotel, drinking, not getting enough sleep. There was, you know, there was probably a lot of that going on. There was a lot of camaraderie again, because nobody had been working for a year and a half. So to be back on set is a, is a really thrilling thing. So I can see a lot of that happening, especially if they were in it, if they were uh, talking to the locals and, you know, you, you have local hires who are working. It's a lot of fun, but you can see how this is all becoming a perfect storm for an accident to happen. And at the start of the show, there was a, um, and I call it a show uh, when you, you talk about a film, a television show, any project, you just, the lingo is the show. Are you, what show are you on? Are you on the show? Hey, we're going to start the show. So that's meaning this production. So at the start of the show, there was issues with the union almost immediately because they were concerned about, uh, about safety on set, uh, which is a very, very big deal. And I had told a story yesterday on my Instagram live. So there was a production that was going on in Georgia or Alabama in the South. And it was an independent film and there was a young woman who was a camera assistant and her name was Sarah E. Jones. Yeah. February 20th, 2014. Um, and the, and it was, um, midnight rider was the show that, uh, that she was on. And this young woman, um, you know, they were shooting on train tracks, big, no, no, big, big, no, no. And, um, they, uh, she, 
there was a train coming and she went to save the camera and she got hit and killed instantly by the train. A part of the train, um, uh, the, the fuel tank hit her. And we used to put on our slates, which are the clappers. Again, wish I had all this here with me. Um, when you clap for a scene, it's the checkerboard. Uh, we would put, you know, RIP Sarah E. Jones. We had it on our slates forever. And it was to remind everyone that safety on set is of the utmost importance. And in that particular, in that particular production, those, both of those producers went to prison. One went to prison for two years because of negligence, because, uh, you know, they had a crew and it was a non-union crew, but they had a crew shooting on the train tracks and nobody had the train schedule. And so a train just happened to come. And that's why this young woman lost, lost her life. So safety on set is always of the utmost importance. And everyone, everyone who is on set, um, it is their job to point it out if they feel unsafe. And it's their job to report it to the director of photography, who then makes a decision, who then goes to the producers as the, uh, as the liaison for the rest of the crew and says, hey, um, you know, things are not going well. We need to straighten out X, Y, and Z. And she usually does that in tandem with the first AD, which in this case was David Halls. Now, David Halls, <laughs> who I believe was part of the, the trial has had some issues with the, the, the closed court um, circuit television, closed circuit television. In the course, they haven't been broadcasting. It's been a very weird, wacky schedule. But I believe he, he testified today. But um, so again, the union was having issues with this and they were, uh, they were complaining about long hours, uh, longer, you know, 13 hours on the clock, not having their, not having their proper turnaround, which is what we call. So when you, when you, um, when you wrap, so let's say you wrap at midnight, you want to have a 10 hour turnaround so you can get rest. Right. And it just depends on what, what's negotiated, but usually it's a 10 hour turnaround. And so some of these people were staying an hour and a half away or an hour away from the location. And so if they worked far, if they worked long hours, it took an hour to get back and then you got to get an hour. And I've done that. Like that sucks because, and you, you're on a tight schedule when you're trying to shoot and make your, make your days and make, and stay under budget too. So there was a lot of complaints with that. And um, one crew member had uh, highlighted issues uh, such as lack of payment for three weeks, the hotels being withdrawn despite being a part of their agreements, and inadequate COVID safety measures and a general lack of onset safety. Notably, prior to the incident, two prop guns had unintentionally discharged three different times. And Baldwin's stunt double fired two blanks under the impression that the prop gun was cold. And when you call for a cold gun, it means it does not have any rounds on it. It does not have blanks in it. It has dummy rounds or it is empty. And every time I've had a cold gun on set, it has had nothing in the chambers, no revolvers. When they're practicing, there's no dummies. There's no nothing. It is empty. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, I don't know why that wasn't a protocol on this set. I understand that the weight is a little different when you're drawing it out of a holster. But, you know, it's led to this, right? Um, so the, uh, so I, I believe, uh, also the prop master had shot herself in the foot with the blank round as well. However, in a letter that was signed by 24 other crew members, these claims were disputed in the letter. The crew wrote that they quote, believe the public narrative surrounding our workplace tragedy to be inadequate and wish to express a more accurate account of our experience. 
We do acknowledge that no set is perfect. And like any production, Rust had areas of brilliance and areas that were more challenged. While we stand firmly with our unions and strongly support the fight for better working conditions across our industry, we do not feel that this set was a representation of the kind of conditions our unions are fighting against. And that was an open letter that they released. Alec Baldwin released it on his uh, Instagram. And I like, I, I do, I do have, um, you know, I, I do respect that when I hear from crew and they're like, look, we've all worked on these booty sets. We've all, we've all worked on really bad sets. They're bad. And to hear them say that, like, we know what really bad working conditions are on set. This was not one of those sets that we've worked on. Um, I can name all the production companies that do that, that run people ragged, pay them no money. Just a lot of them were straight to Redbox back in the day. They were turning out horror films and, and crazy things like Sharknado. Oh, yeah, crazy. Uh, we've all worked for those companies before and it has driven us mad. I remember uh, an actor that uh, I had worked with that uh, was injured in a boating accident because they were trying to get out to a location in the middle of the night and they were in Belize and they hit, the boat hit something and he flew and he shattered both his legs or arms. Uh, you know, yeah, bad stuff happens on set when you're not careful. And especially when you're on a low budget sort of situation where people are just trying to push, push, push and make their day. So um, to hear from the fact that these people did an open letter, um, it, it makes me feel a little bit better about this, right? On the day of the incident, a group of six cameramen and their assistants walked off the shoot to protest the long hours and low wages they were facing on the production. The group, all of her, whom were members of the IATSE union, showed up for work that day at 6.30 a.m. as expected, but were asked to leave by a production manager. As they were packing up their gear, a group of non-union crew members arrived to replace them. The group also report that they were previously told their hotel rooms in Santa Fe, where the set is, would be covered by production, and then they learned they'd have to commute 50 miles from Albuquerque to the set daily. So, um, working conditions were not as bad as they could be, but they weren't as good as they could be either. So, and obviously, the, the day that this happened, Helena Hutchins lost six of her crew members and her and the camera assistants, which that's devastating for a DP. And I remember I was working on a show that was in the middle of a, of a union action and I would lose crew every hour with <laughs> be bringing in new people every hour. And it was a total shit show. Uh, so I know where she was. I, I, I feel for her because she was up against a lot with that because, um, you know, uh, you want to make sure as a cinematographer and as your crew, you want to make sure that those people are taken care of and they feel good about the work that they're doing with you. Um, because it makes better art. It makes the whole production better and it makes things go smoother. And, uh, this is something that, um, you know, you want to have a smooth day. You want to get done on time. And, um, and you develop personal relationships with people like being on a show is like being in a family. Like you guys are together for, for weeks on end in pre-production and in, and in physical production on the, on the actual, uh, show. And when it's over, you're kind of sad because you, you miss those people because they become like family to you and family fights and family has all kinds of issues. However, um, so Rust had been fined uh, nearly $137,000, which was the maximum allowed by New Mexico law. Um, 
when the uh when the gun safety procedures were not were not um followed on set with which again led to the death of Helena Hutchins the cinematographer um so Hannah Gutierrez Reed has maintained in her interviews with police and in her and I'm not going to go through all this and torture you guys uh with playing back everything I, I'll play some of it but um in her interviews with police, which have been played in court yesterday and today, day four and five of the trial, uh, you know, it's it's actually, she's being very honest, but it's really hurting her case because really the only thing that, that they can, you know, she's, she's admitted that she's been negligent because in a way, because she has said when they've interviewed her, they said, well, does anyone touch the firearms beside yourself? No, I'm in charge of them. Who gives them to the actors? I give them to them. Um, uh, who handles, who, who, who do you, who, were you doing two duties at once? Yes. I was pouring drinks as a prop master. And yes, I was dealing with giving the firearms to the actors on set. Um, however, the person who controls the show, again, director of photography, cinematographer is in charge of making it pretty is in charge of everybody below the line. The person is in charge of running the actual production on set. And there's a, it's called an assistant director. There's a first assistant director, second assistant director, and sometimes depending on the size of the production, there's a second second. Uh, second assistant director usually deals with um, extras that are on set. They'll deal with catering, meals, maybe um, maybe a particular actor has a dietary thing, you know, that's a that's a top line actor, uh, you know, star like Alec Baldwin or whatever. He's got to get special food or what have you. They're they're there to kind of do the work for the first AD. The first AD is the person who runs the whole show. They are keeping you on schedule. They are uh, they are the ones that call action and cut on set. Uh, it is not the director. I mean, sometimes the director will do it, but uh, but they will also sometimes just defer to the AD. And you might not even really, as an actor, be dealing be be hearing the director much until they're talking to you, right? Because I've been uh, I've been both in front of and behind the camera. Um, so first AD. First assistant director, David Halls, is not a part of this trial and is not going to trial because he was sentenced on January of 2023 after pleading no contest to negligent, unsafe handling of a firearm. He was sentenced to six months of unsupervised probation, and he is also required to testif testify truthfully at any of these trials and pay a $500 fine. He has to participate in a firearm safety course with proof of completion within 60 days, no alcohol, 24 hours of community service, and no contact with any potential witnesses or co-defendants. His attorney, Lisa Tarocco, or argued that, that despite being the safety coordinator that Halls uh, did not have control over how individual people handled safety on set. But this is not the first incident that has been reported of Halls being careless on set safety. Former colleagues reported that he faced complaints in 2019 in two episodes of the show Into the Dark, in which he disregarded safety protocols by ignoring blocked exits and a fire lane. In that same year, they, he had been fired working on the film Freedom's Path after a firearm discharged unexpectedly on set and wounding a crew member. So he made a plea deal before Hannah Gutierrez. Uh, was put on trial 
uh, Hannah, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, I want to say her name properly, uh, was put on trial, which I think is very interesting. And again, back to back to this whole um, this whole hierarchy and chain of uh, uh, chain of custody that occurs. You know, Hannah Gutierrez Reed apparently gave the gun to David Halls, and Halls is the one who opened it up and checked the the chambers of the revolver and saw four dummy rounds and one that looked like a half of a round, but still gave it to Alec Baldwin and then said, cold gun, called out cold gun, which means that nothing should fire out of that gun at all. There shouldn't be any blanks. There shouldn't be anything. And at the time, uh, Helena Hutchins was lining up a set, was lining up a shot with her director, um, Joel Souza. So what had happened was, is they were actually behind the camera. Normally, when you are lining up a shot, you you have a you have the camera operator, but again, she was down her camera operators that day, who is who who are using the cameras and who are setting up the shot for you because it's union protocol. You have to have a camera operator, even though it's a DP, you can operate the camera. You still have to have that position covered, so the union so the, the position is covered on set, and somebody's making a paycheck. Um, she was behind the camera setting up the shot with her director, which is very common. However, if you, you know, if you're a very hands-on type of director of photography, it's very common, but also a lot of director of photography don't ever touch cameras and they stand behind what is called video village. They are, which is a series of monitors that production is usually behind. That's where your producers are usually li live your active producers on set, your unit production manager, your line producer, who's in charge of all the budgets. And because that day, because of the chaos of the other individuals walking out on set, they didn't have Video Village set up or else Helena Hutchins would have been behind the monitors in Video Village, lining up the shot and calling the directions out to her camera operator. So there's a lot of negligence. There's, there's, there's a lot that has happened with this, that it, red flags everywhere. Uh, but specifically, the history of David Halls, why is he not going on trial? <laughs> And when he handed the gun to Alec Baldwin, it was not a safe gun. And a lot of times, ADs who are also safety officers or who who have some sort of training in firearms, because if you work long enough, he's six years old. You work long enough as an AD in this in this business because the unions and and he's a DGA member. He's not in the union. He's a first assistant director, which is part of the Directors Guild of America, which is a guild, but. They everybody takes safety classes on how to deal with things like if you're using pyrotechnics and, and this goes for everyone how to use electricity because people get people will get electrocuted on set if you don't know how to properly wire things and use things. Uh, there are uh, pins that people use. I can't say the word on YouTube, unfortunately, but uh, taking your life pin, uh, you put these pins on backwards so you can't put them into a cam lock onto a three phase. Um, a three phase, uh, what they call a distribution box or a distro box when you're running power. Cause it's like 2000 amps that are two, 200 amps that are coming out of a circuit that you're trying to run power to power the set. So there's all these different safety protocols that you have to take as a union member. You have to, and Hannah Gutierrez speaks about it when she's interviewing with police is she took these safety classes, there are OSHA safety classes. Uh, so it would, I would think because, because David Halls had worked on other shows that were dealing with firearms that he had some sort of firearms training or he would have had to have had some sort of firearms training and why he is not 
uh, being put on trial is beyond me uh, because I think he has a lot of explaining to do. Now, uh, again, this is not to say that Hannah Gutierrez isn't at fault for what happened because clearly she is. She has made very conflicting statements. Um, and I think a lot of that, when I look at it, when, you know, after the event happens, I mean, you have Alec Baldwin saying that he never pulled the trigger and they brought in a couple of days ago, a FBI firearms expert who tested the revolver that Alec Baldwin used. that was made for the production and he banged it with a hammer. I mean, the gun is broken now, banged it with a hammer to see if he could get it to go off without pulling the trigger. And he, he testified that that was just, just wasn't possible. He had to have pulled the trigger. Uh, to to fire the round that killed Helena Hutchins. So, um, uh, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, somehow that live round got from dummy rounds that were, that were purchased from the manufacturer that were approved for being on set to a live round that somehow entered that gun that took Helena Hutchins' life. And that is the crux of this entire case. Like, how did that round get there? And she, in her in her interview, has said nobody touched the guns, nobody touched this. I mean, and and there are people that are saying conspiracy theory wise that when she gave the the firearm to Halls, that he maybe inserted around. There's a lot of conjecture that the disgruntled crew members that were the the camera crew that was leaving set had planted around, I'm here to shut all that shit down. There is absolutely, that is utterly fanciful. There is no way that a crew member or anyone, this is not, there's no room for conspiracy theories in this. This was pure negligence by the armorer, clearly having brought other ammunition to set, other dummy rounds to set from another production. That appears to be what caused this. There's no conspiracy theories. Nobody wanted to harm this young woman. Nobody, like, a camera department is like a family. You're not going to do that. Um, so I just want to shut that down because I've been seeing those rumors flying around on Reddit and all that. It's not cool. That doesn't happen. Like this is a brotherhood when you are in the, the IA and you are a union member and you are one with your team. It is the Taylor Swift heart. Like you are on that team. Um, so uh, yeah, I just want to shut that down because I, I read that today. And I thought that's absolute rubbish. So, um, there's no way that that happened. Uh, but we will see how all this plays out. And I've carried on in a whole diatribe about all this. And obviously Alec Baldwin will face charges, uh, will, will be tried in July. And there's what, six more days on this case, seven more days on her trial. I'll be covering more of this. I'll be weighing in with more stuff for you guys, but, uh, mover nation. Uh, I hope you found this informative. I hope that you guys, uh, you know, I'm explaining a lot. I wish I had more diagrams and stuff. It's my birthday. What can I say? I did not, wasn't able to make a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, uh, diagrams for y'all. But, um, but I hope that, uh, I hope that you guys found this information, um, informative and I hope this adds a whole different perspective to what's going on. Because again, all these legal pundits are all weighing in and they're doing an amazing job and they're all talking about the legal aspects of this. Again, not a lawyer, not a psychologist, not in law enforcement. I'm just a guy who's been through a lot of shit, but I'm also someone who's worked professionally as a cinematographer for a decade. And I've been in these situations before and I know what it's like. And, uh, and I'm going to share more of my perspective on this, obviously, because I just think it, I mean, it's obviously very unfortunate what happened and obviously lawsuits have, have come down civil suits, um, 
everybody's suing everybody that has been brought up in court. Um, but the whole crew was traumatized. And, um, and you know, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is facing 18 months in prison uh, for if she's found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Now, the likelihood that she'll, that will actually be what happens to her is probably not going to be the case that many legal experts are suggesting, but you know, it's still a conviction and that would still suck. And, um, obviously, but if she was negligent and I think for me, my final takeaway from all of this is again, I told you the story about Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Jones back in 2014, there have been many incidents. And I actually, you know, one of the, I'll tell a quick story. A lot of times when you're trying to cut corners on productions, you will do car shots. And um, well, you you do car. So if you guys see a car moving on it, through a you know a scene, people are driving. They're not really driving that car. Uh, it's on a car sled, and the cameras are fixed to it, and it's being driven. That sled is being driven by a professional driver who's usually a member of the Teamsters Union, and they're driving it on a sled, and it's very expensive to do. So a lot of times we would cut corners uh, because we didn't have budgets for that, but we wanted a car shot. And we would get into the front seat and we would have the actor drive the car, which is a big no-no. But uh, IATSE, I believe it was in 2018, 2019, something like that, because there were so many people because as cameras kept getting smaller and smaller, it became easier and easier to work and shoot in tight spaces, like in a car when you're trying to film an actor give their dialogue. Uh, or you sit in the back seat and you do what's called French overs, which it's the dialogue if you're talking to the passenger, it's over the shoulder, it's a technique, it's called a French over. Uh, it's another way for coverage that we call that. I should do a whole class about this. Um, but uh, one of the, the safety videos that I actually came out with in the Cinematographers Guild was the what can happen. They did a they did an actual test with crash test dummies with a 45-pound camera rig, which is an Aerie Alexa rig, and it's in the dummy's lap. And the dummy hits something that they drives into, like just like the seatbelt videos, and it shows the force coming out of the airbag which throws the camera into the camera operator's face at, I think it was like either 240 miles an hour or 24,000 feet per second. It was a lot and it would break your neck. It would kill you. And, you know, I'm very lucky because I did that all the time and I let the actor drive and I never thought because you all know how easy it is. You can bump a curb uh, the wrong way or hit or hit a cone and that airbag could be deployed and that camera could essentially kill you. So, Safety on set is something that is very, that everyone takes very seriously that works in this business. And I think the silver lining for me with this entire thing is just that, um, is just that I think this case, the case against Alec Baldwin will hopefully serve as a cautionary tale to make sure that people do the right thing on set, to make sure that people report it when they don't feel safe to make sure that producers are way more cautious and that another person doesn't get, doesn't lose their life because there's no reason that this should have happened. And think about all the other people who have been impacted. Again, I talk a lot about the consequences of violence and what this happens, but the trauma for everyone that was on that set that day and everyone that was involved in that production and the city and, and the trials and everything. Uh, it's, it's, it's traumatized a lot of people. And at the end of the day, a young mother of two and a wife, has lost her life and it's all because people were most likely cutting corners and um yeah it's an unfortunate thing uh, i would like to say a big shout out to all of y'all 
Uh, it is my birthday. Thank you so much for all the birthday wishes. Uh, I'm getting a late restart, says Maria. Uh, I, I'm going to just go through here. Thank you so much, uh, old lady Snoop. Thank you so much, Gen X Granny. Thank you so much, Sherry Falls. Thank you so much, Maria. Karen Fan. Uh, thank you. There are so many birthday wishes. Thank you all so much. And super stickers. Thank you, Marie Hathaway, for the super sticker. Thank you so much, Karen Fan, for the super sticker. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this was so generous of all of you. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Catlow's Catskills, thank you so much for the super sticker. Uh, it really means a lot to me. It means a lot to me that you guys uh, have joined me today. Uh, it is my birthday. And um, thank you all so much. I am not done until midnight tonight. I have interviews going on after this. I got to go give an interview. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a long day. I've been up since four. Uh, it's going to be a long day, but it'll be a great day. And um, Anyways, I want to say thank you to all my channel members, all my channel subscribers. If you wouldn't mind on the way out, press the like, subscribe if you want if you're enjoying this content. Also, if um uh you know, if you want to join the channel membership uh and or my Patreon membership, you guys get access to all the cool stuff like our live monthly meet and greets and starting in March we are doing our live AV club where we are going to watch films together on the Discord server. Also, if you uh if you are not a Discord member, you can join the Discord member uh, membership. Uh, you can join the discord server for this show, for this channel. Uh, it is free to do so, but if you want all the member perks, you have to become a channel member, uh, or a Patreon member, and then you get the perks. And then th those perks include the live meet and greets, the AV club, and a bunch of other stuff that's coming out in March that I'm really excited to share with you guys. Uh, the first movie that we're going to screen is my film, a murder in Mansfield. So I'm really excited to share that. That's my documentary, which is directed by two time Oscar winner, Barbara Koppel. And uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, to share that with you guys and a little bit about how that was, uh, uh, how that all came about. So um, you guys can sign up in the, in the chat and uh, all that stuff. So Mover Nation, thank you all so much for joining me. Uh, I know this was a little bit of a, di a, a little bit of a diversion from what we normally talk about. I don't know if the Michelle Traconis verdict has come in or not yet. That'll probably happen tomorrow. And I'll be talking about that as well. But on that note, as we say on set, and I swear that's what we say. I'll see y'all in the next one. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Landry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.